Hi, I'm Tam McManus, and you're listening to Glory Days of Gold. Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Welcome to another episode of Glory Days of Gold, your East Fife and Scottish football podcast. My name's Lee Gillis. And I'm Michael McCall. Yet another fun-packed show for you this week with all your usual fun and enjoyable segments. We've got a bit of a Halloween theme going on. Um, I was going to give Michael a, a nickname that was sort of Halloween-themed, scary-themed, but his face is bad enough. So luckily for you guys, you don't have to look at that because it's a podcast. I, I was going to call you Ghoulie Gillis. Or Lee Ghoulies. Hmm. Or Lee, yeah, Lee Ghoulies would work as well. And the reason I've gone for that, it's not really a Halloween theme, it's just your, your face looks like a ball bag. I can take that. Yeah. Just a little bit of hair underneath as well. Bit of wiry these days as well. Um, so, apart from talking testes, we'll talk about football, which is what you're all here for. So, so we're just going to get straight into our fan zone segment tonight, which has had some absolutely outstanding feedback. Everybody seems to be loving it. And, you know, I think that people are surprised that Fife fans can be so articulate. I've never had that worry, you know. Um, delighted to announce that, that Doug Perry is going to be a mainstay on our Fife fans zone section. He's somebody that people have really enjoyed listening to. Um, I'm surprised at that but yeah there's, there's, there's been a lot of people that really like what he's had to say so we're delighted to announce that, that um, Doug will be our official third wheel but there's always some spots up for grabs so if you are interested let us know um, next week we've already had Henry Ireland message us to ask if he could come on and do it which we'll be happy to have him on and get a younger fan's perspective and point of view um, and he's even agreed to um, well ask to sponsor that episode too which was lovely of him so looking forward to that Henry but without any further ado Let's get to our five fan zone section, which, unfortunately, we're talking about a game where we've picked up zero points again. So, welcome to another edition of Fife Fan Zone. As you can tell by my probably monotone voice that we're bringing to you another game where we've we've not hit three points a 2-0 defeat to Falkirk however I'm delighted to be joined by our our, well two of our usual guests in a a special edition so welcome Doug hello 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 also to Gordon Henderson hello Gordon hi and only here because his dad's a director Neil Anderson hello everybody so, guys, we'll, we'll start with yourself, Doug, um, before we go too much into it. For all the listeners, I didn't actually watch the game and by the sounds of things, quite thankfully, because I'm just literally in the door from work. Doug, can you can you sum up today in, in a non-profanity-laden sentence? Absolutely. Um, I thought we were just really unlucky. We were excellent throughout. Um, no, no, right, that's a lie. 
I thought we were I thought we were dreadful the whole game and look the conditions were appalling obviously you could you know not only sense it through the TV screen but you can hear it outside in your own home as well but but that's not an excuse I, I don't know where to start we're bottom of the league now and we've probably put in about 20 minutes of anything other than rubbish for the three games so far so um, it's worrying really worrying that was that was really awful Gordon where, where do you think it went wrong today? It's difficult because I think we were we were so bad and they Falk, Falkirk looked a good team and I think I, I called them pedestrian last week but they looked a lot better to me than they did last year and we just never got going I mean I think I think about 10 minutes to go I looked and we were there was no shots on target and I think I think that went out to the 90 no shots on target you know yeah was just, you know, we never got on the ball. We never really, we were just never in the game. So it's almost difficult to to pinpoint anything that went wrong because basically nothing went right, really. Um, but, I mean, I, I, I was impressed with Falkirk. And, you know, the only good point is we're not going to be playing them every week. So that's about Neil, it. Neil, was it the case that Falkirk were good or were we just terrible? That's what I couldn't decide when I was thinking back in the game there. That I mean, the passing today was really terrible. Again, because of the conditions, I suppose that kind of plays into it. But even the passes along the deck, I don't know how much the wind has to play into that, but five-yard passes, ten-yard passes were just going everywhere. Um, and I mean, we gave Falkirk so much time on the ball. We kind of, if we lost the ball, we kind of just dropped in and then let them play. I don't know if Falkirk were that great. I don't know if they created that many chances. They had one in the first half where Anton had a kind of a snapshot and Brett made a really good save from that, actually. But I think the two goals were just really... I don't even know if the second one was poor defending, but the first one was definitely poor defending. Kind of came out of nowhere, to be honest. And the second one, a set-piece, typical East Fife, set-piece goal that we can see again. I mean, I'd thought that myself in watching the second half. I was like, are Falkirk actually that good or have just we done nothing at all in the game? And I think it was more the latter. What was worrying for me is that looked like two teams that were in a, a different division. That did not look like two League One teams. Whether it means we're more playing like a League Two team or whether they're playing more like a championship team, I don't know. But... That was worrying, Doug. That gulf in class between that, and we saw it with Cove as well. Yeah, look, I think I think Neil kind of summed it up beautifully. Actually, um, see, when it's conditions like that, you you have to come out and show the other team that you're up for the fight. You, the first five minutes, you've got to, you've got to snap into tackles, you've got to press, you've got to say, "Who cares what the weather's like?" I thought the first five minutes we were so bad, and just let them come on to us. Didn't almost look like we'd gone out there and gone, oh, this is this is horrible. I don't fan. Almost like they didn't fancy it. It was just everything they did well, we did terribly. They pressed us very, very well, which again, in that sort of conditions, you've got to. We didn't. Neil's point about them in midfield, I've never seen a team have that much time on the ball. It was unbelievable. Yeah. And you know, we we played sort of a four-four-one-one. Again, I thought Agnew was honking today. Absolutely dreadful. His passing was awful. Um, 
I mean, oh, your three two ones are going to be almost impossible today, isn't it? Really I was thinking impossible. that during the second half. I was like, I have no idea. Like who? I mean, but we'll get my, to that. But sorry, my, my my worry for us is is a depth thing. I mean, mm. we're saying we've got some injuries. I'm trying to think who, apart from Swanson, was out of no. But we we brought in Thomas Collins to right midfield, and then about two minutes later, he went, "Ah, oh, it's not working," and he put Craig Watson on it, right wing, right midfield, and Collins on the left. That's just a bizarre move. And I think one of the things I wrote down is we don't have anyone, anyone with any pace. No, nobody. I think we're in big trouble. Genuinely do. Big, big trouble already. I mean, Gordon, when I saw the lineup, I was a bit head scratching. Swanson clearly has something going on. He's had a groin strain, was out of sorts last week, hasn't played this week. I don't know whether it's injury or whatever. Watson was dropped. Ross Dunlop was back, but you looked at that bench today and that was like bare bones. It was a bench that you're looking at and apart from maybe Collins, you're thinking, if we need to bring on a difference maker, I don't see where there's a difference maker on that bench to bring on. And that depth, which we've talked about being good, all of a sudden doesn't look good. Yeah, it was a bit the same as last week. I looked at the, the starting eleven, and I wasn't entirely sure what it was going to be. Um, when I looked at it, I thought, "Where's Kevin Smith playing? Is he playing wide left? Because uh, you know, I'm I'm not quite sure if he's got the pace or the legs to play wide left, and that would, you know, leave us pretty exposed out there. Um, and I, I think the, um, as Doug mentioned, the the substitutions we made, you know, we bring Collins on and. Again, I quite like the look of him. He seems very kind of energetic, and I thought he he made a bit of a difference. But I putting Craig Watson at right wing, I think, really highlights the the lack of options. And I, I think at the start of the season, it was something I was quite um, sort of optimistic about. I thought we've got a lot of we can change the strikers about a lot. We can change the wide midfielders about a lot. Um, but yeah, past couple of weeks we just we haven't had that, and and aside for bringing Collins on to sort of replace some tired legs, it hasn't looked like we've been able to change a game when it's not been going in our favour. Just to interject in terms of the the, the squad depth, we've got to remember we've got Danny Denham who's obviously suspended. Dunsmore was on the bench today. Um, and obviously he's normally a starter, so he might just be having a, a, a bit of a niggle. Um, Swanson injured, so the depth is there minus the suspension, like obviously minus the, the suspensions and any injuries. But what I'm, I'm struggling to see is, is where the creativity is from last season. Because one thing that we were good at last season was scoring goals. You know, we, we were great going forward, maybe just not so great at the back. And where's that gone this season? Like, I absolutely love Scott Agnew, and I've I've, I've made that abundantly clear in the, the, the podcast. But you know, the first two games I've seen him this year, he's been a mile off the Agnew that we're used to. What would you think, Neil? I think for me, maybe teams have got our ticket that they know the creativity in our midfield comes from him. If you stop him playing, Ross Davidson is a good footballer as well, but he's more the you know the driver in the midfield. He goes and wins the ball. You know, starts spreading the play to the, the to the fullbacks. Agnew's the one that plays it forward. If you stop him spreading the ball, you stop us playing. 
And I think the idea maybe at the start of the season was if we get Swanson in, almost as a number 10, he'll create the play from there. But again, it's the same. The t- teams know that, okay, if we stop Swanson, we stop the creativity. If we stop Agnew giving it to Swanson, we stop the creativity into him. I think it's, is it maybe just a bit one-dimensional, our attacking play, that has to go through those two in order to get forward? Um, I mean, Jack Hamilton's been great so far. He scored, was it, that's three in five games now. But today, the ball just pung off him. He, he couldn't control any, it, the ball. I mean, like I say, the, the conditions weren't great. And playing with the wind the first half, it was really difficult to control. Um, but you're right, Lee, the creativity has just kind of gone a bit. Um, I mean, today, Kevin Smith, I don't think he's a winger anymore. His legs are kind of gone. Uh, and that's where I think Denham and Dunsmore, who do have a bit of pace between them, kind of give us the width. Um, but yeah, today it was a bit hard work watching us trying to play a bit further forward. You also had Hamilton. He was on an island up there for a lot of the game. And you're then asking a young lad to to make so much opportunities for himself, which I don't think it is fair. I mean, he did well. He put himself about, Doug, but... He, he was just isolated and the, there is just nothing coming from that midfield and there's nothing coming from the wings. I I don't know that who we have in the squad that then is going to suddenly turn it on apart from Swanson. Yeah, look, uh, he just, I mean, he just looks so frustrated just to kind of, actually, to be fair, I thought the the two Falkirk centre-halves absolutely bossed them. I thought they were mm. very good. Um yeah, is he that? Is he the player that you put high balls to and he flicks them on, or is he the guy that's sort of into feet? And because today it was just—I mean, you'll have a sore neck from from trying to get on the end of anything. Um, yeah, I don't—I don't think he could have done anything. It wasn't like a game where you think he should have dealt with things better. Or I just think it was just one of these games where he just got nothing, absolutely zero service. Quickly going back to. To what Neil said, which is again spot on about, um, you know, you know about getting found out. I, I just worry. I, I kind of worry. Do the management have a, a second plan? Do they have a plan B when things aren't going well? Because uh, even last season, I guess because we did quite well last season, you maybe don't notice it, but there was no change. There was never any idea like. Right, as soon as we went 2-0 down, let's let's go three at the back or let's do something to try and impact the game. There was just no... That, that's a slight worry for me. You know, personnel aside, that there was just no formation change. There was no game plan change. Let's get into the the opening goal. Um, well, I guess before the opening goal, Long had a, a good save from long range. But the pressure was all Falkirk. And especially in the opening couple of minutes, it was just... They seem to know how to play with the wind. We just seem to have no idea. It was kind of surprising, really, that it took so long for Falkirk to, to get in the score sheet. 39th minute, lovely finish, I thought, from Robbie Leach. It was such a tight angle. When he hit it from the angle on the TV, I wasn't even sure where it had gone at first, and then it just nestled into the side net. And it was a good finish. Defensively, it was another goal, though, that was given up our our left side, Gordon. I don't know that you can put too much blame on Pat Slattery for this. There might be a lot of blame to, to go around, but again, Leach seemed to have an awful lot of time in the box to kind of get that shot off. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe need to look at it again. I thought Leach did very well. So when the, when the ball came across, I thought you could look at Long and Slattery and say Long's trying to kind of cover his near post. Slattery looked like he was maybe more trying to cover a ball back across. And then Leach has got a, a really tight angle and he's done very well just to smash it right into the, the far corner. But I think, you know, if you're being critical, I think, you know, I don't know who was, I don't know what how many Falkirk players were maybe in the middle. I can't remember seeing any, but you think maybe Slattery's got to get out there a lot faster. And like he had, a, I mean, Leach had the time to do it. If Slattery's just, if all he's doing is moving more towards him, he doesn't have the time to do something like that. Whereas I think it looked like Slattery was just happy to, to kind of stand there and stop the the ball across the face and think, ah, well, he's not going to score for there. Um, and then he does it. Um, so it's, I mean, Volker had a lot of pressure and they were making, you know, they were they were creating a lot of sort of half chances. Um, but I thought we were, we were sort of defending okay and that, you know, we were stopping them getting good chances up to that point. But, but it was it was all them, and it, it was a matter of time. You know, you can't. There's only so long you can defend well when you're under pressure constantly. But I think it wasn't a howler, but it was a defence. You know, there was a, mistakes made to that goal. Getting to half time one down was at least a, a positive because it certainly could have been more in one sense. But at the same time, Falkirk can't really create tons of, of clear cut chances apart from that other save that Long had, but then to lose a goal so quickly after the restart, where the next goal was always going to be key, it was game over, it felt, as soon as it went to 2-0, Neil. Yeah, and actually, I seem to remember, maybe 10 minutes before the goal, we actually started to come into the game a bit more, that we were starting to get a little interchange as a play, just up until the final third between Wallace, Agnew, Hamilton, Watt as well. And I actually thought to myself, we need to score here. Because with the, with the quality that Falkirk had, all they needed was really one chance. And they took it, um, you know, just before half time. Yeah, just frustrating. I mean, going back to what Gordon said, I'm not sure if you can really blame an individual for the first goal. Uh, Leach does, and it's an amazing finish, like, like we've just said, but Maybe Long could have come for it. I'd, I'd need to see it again. Maybe the centre-backs could have cleared it. Maybe Pat could have cleared it. I think a collectiveness, it was just a lack of communication there. And maybe Pat could have just put it out for a corner, avoided the goal itself. Um, but yeah, just extremely frustrating. And I knew it was coming, actually. Um, if we didn't score within those 10 minutes where we had the, a decent bit of play, you know what's coming. The second half, after it went at 2-0, it for me, it kind of felt like a non-event. I hardly wrote anything down for it. There was the goal, Dowds had a chance, and then we started to play for the first time in the game, it felt, in the last 20 to 25 minutes. And I don't know where that had been or if Falkirk were just easing off and thought, ah, it's fine, job's done, we don't really have, have, have any issues here. We looked better without being dangerous. The whole game... Three shots we had for the whole 90 minutes and none of them were in target, Doug. Um, yeah, look, it's, it's very easy for, you know, to start playing a little bit when Falkirk kind of sat off a lot. I, I kind of agree with you. The game was totally done. I, 
I mean, two 0 is a dangerous lead, as we showed last week, and you maybe get one with five minutes to go, and and it's it's potentially squeaky bum. But nah, I mean, yeah, we we got on the ball a little bit. Um, can I quickly go back to the their goal, the corner one? Yeah. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but there was it Francis, the guy up front. Was that his name? Yeah. yeah. Um, so he stands in front of Brett Long, waving his arms up in the air. Uh, while the corner's getting made. Now, that's totally schoolboy because you would always get a defender in between the goalie and the, the, him to get him away from Brett Long. That's totally like schoolboy stuff. We've got, we have, we defended with four across the six yard line who are zonal, I think, the, the sort of bigger boys. And then you've got two guys doing some sort of man marker type thing. The guy back post, head it back in, and the guy who's standing on his own, Francis, heads it in. I mean, it's like, it's unbelievable. We've been doing this for years and it, you've got to try someone else. So many teams in the best teams in the world have tried zonal marking. It's maybe not worked very well and they've changed it or they've done something else. We must do something differently because that was every corner after that, he's doing exactly the same and Long's actually screaming, going, get someone in front of this guy or next to him and they never did it. I mean, that's, that's really worrying. Whether that's leadership on the park or leadership off the park, that has to change. It's kind of feeling that we can have a little bingo card going now. So it's like, yep, we can tick off. We've lost a, a goal going up the, the left side. We've lost a goal to a corner or a set piece. I was worried that frustration might kind of turn over and we might get a red card. Although the referee wasn't handing them out too much, or at least there was that. But there's it, we've become predictable in what we're doing. And... It's looking a tough slog now. and like We're bottom of the league, but we are only three points off. I think it's third. Yeah, Dumbarton's up in third now, which is crazy. And they also have a game in hand, making next week's game against Dumbarton absolutely massive because you lose that and all of a sudden you find yourself six points behind them. Gordon, anything else you want to say about the game just before we maybe get into a couple of other issues? Not really. Uh, like you, I think this once once Volker went two 0 up, um, I th- it felt like very little happened. Um, I think th- their second goal again as well. It's just like Doug says, so simple. Ball to the back. Um, Hamilton loses the header to Dernan. Ball into the middle, and it was Davidson that uh, lost the header to Francis. And it just it, it, that just it looks so easy. All you got to do is get that hit that ball at the back post and it was going in. Um, and I, I think after that second goal, I think I think everybody involved probably just thought, aye, that's at least 2-0, might be 3, nobody's really bothered. Let's just play it out. And that's what I felt like. Yeah, I, I started just pottering about the house and made a cup of tea and just got everything set up for this. And it's like, ah, don't, I only need to watch this for half an eye because you didn't think much was happening. Anything else you want to say about the, the game, Neil? No, I think it's all been summed up. Just lacklustre performance, really uninspiring, sloppy. Um, like I've said before, maybe the weather played into it, but a game to forget is all I'll say. Yes. Wonder, I don't know. Much. I mean, you were talking, um, sorry, you were talking earlier about bottom of the league. And I think I, I was quite surprised. Um, I mean, we're only three games in, but the optimist in me, I mean, we are only three points off fourth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
you put into it, right, Falkirk, Partick, Thistle and Cove, you kind of expect to be top three. You're only three points off your nearest rival. That's not that much. You know, it's it's not that serious at the minute. It's a, OK, it's a slightly shorter season, but it's a, we've still got 24 games, 25, 23 games left. There's a lot of ground to make up. Um, and I, I'm not so optimistic for the se- uh, pessimistic, sorry, for the season. That was a very pessimistic performance, but we can only get, you know, we can't play that badly again, crossing my fingers and touching wood and, you know, doing everything else, trying to avoid the, um, trying to avoid it. Not quite that, not that way, Doug. Um, that's a bit, a bit weird for a family podcast. But anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm fairly optimistic for the season. Yeah. Neil, you're absolutely bang on, you know, and, and, and I'm going to interject here because it would be very, very easy to hit panic stations and be like, oh, this is right, this is this, this is that. You know, it's we're three games in. We've played three of the best teams in the league. You know, let's be honest. You know, Montrose are one of the better sides. We've got a point against them. Falkirk and Cove, two of the favourites for the league. Let's not hit panic stations yet. You know, we knew all along that this was going to be the, the, the three of the toughest games that we're going to have. I actually fancy us against Dumbarton um, next season. I, I don't think Dumbarton are a great side. Next man. season? No, this, not this uh, season. This season, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, next week is what I meant to say. Um, I actually fancy us against Dumbarton. And you want to know what I think that the, the win against Dumbarton, which we're inevitably going to get, will be the catalyst to change for our season. Um, I, I really, really do. And like like Neil's rightly said, there's there's three points. You know, there's only us and Falkirk, uh, or sorry, us and Forfar that haven't won a game yet. But realistically, that it's there's not much in it apart from Cove three wins out of three. I, I I don't think that there's any need for masses of worry yet. If we're still in this position, or if we're even going to get to be able to play much more games between now and Christmas, you know, then then that's when we could maybe start to have a little bit of fear. My only fear, and it's something I've said already, is, is we've lost our creativity, which was something that I feel really set us apart between the other teams in the league. Um, and it'll be interesting to see whether it's a tactical change or new personnel that, would, that we maybe need to, to try and drive that forward. My biggest fear right now is that you start to get in a rut and it's harder to get out of a slump when, when you're losing. I don't think that it's panic stations until we've played everyone. And we kind of see what everyone is looking like. Because, I mean, like, Doug, it's it's an old cliche, I know. But th- this is a, a league. Everyone's going to take points off everyone. Everyone's capable of beating everyone else. We'll get a good indication, 9, 10 games, 12 games in, as to, to where the, the land's kind of lying. If we're still down the bottom and we're kind of falling off the pace, that's the time for worry. But it, it should be easy to turn it around. Do you feel that Dan Young has it in him to turn it around? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, three games ago, we were thinking we might do very well and he's a great manager and he's going to go on to better things. Mm-hmm. Um, that's definitely not changed in three games. Although I did note down, this is where it's great not having fans for the team. Because could you imagine at Bayview against Dumbarton next week if we went 1-0 down, for example, oh. it's it's a but it can be poisonous. Like, so that, that, that definitely helps. Look, I, I, I think it's, yeah, like we've played Cove away, we've played Falkirk away. It's probably two of the three hardest games in the league. They're out of the way. Obviously, we've not done anything with them, but that's fine. So, you know, all these other teams are going to have to play them. 
the, the results are random. They're going to be random. In every league in the world with no fans, it's random. You know, strange scores. Clay you see that in the Champions team. League right now. It's like some bizarre scores in the, the Champions yeah. League the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I, I think my only my only concern, and I'm, I am worried because it would be wrong not to be, I think, but my, my only thing would be you've got to tactically stay fresh. You've got to, you look at Sheffield United in the Premiership, they play that system where all the teams mm. play them and go, oh, I don't know what's happening. They work out how to play them. Everyone works out how to play you. So you need to change things and you need to stay fresh tactically. That's my worry because we've got a, we've got a game plan and when it doesn't work, we're, we, we lose. It's as simple as that. There is no, there's no switch around. There's no change in tactics. That would concern me. But, as you say, we win next week and life is good again. So it's absolutely fine. Loads of time, early days, no panic. I mean, that's the thing, Gordon, with football fans, though. It's like you lose a game and it's like it's all doom and gloom. The next week you win a game and you're all like, oh, everyone's back to, to good again. What needs to change, though, next week to, to get a result against Dumbarton? I was thinking about this. I mean, I think I, I'm, I'm not ready to say we're in trouble and this is going to be a bad season yet. It is true that of our three games, away to Falkirk and Cove are very difficult games and not many teams, you know, by the end of the season, it could be that not many teams go and take anything there and a point against Montrose. It was a bit of a mixed game. There was there was good things, there was bad things, but ultimately that's not a bad point. Against Dumbarton, um, we did well against them last season. I'm in two minds whether I... I kind of feel like Dan Young should just go in and say, you know, the, the message should be basically forget the last three games and get back to how we were playing, you know, how we played against Cowden Beath, Wraith, how we were last season, or whether he should look at it and say, I need to try something different. Um, I think we do, assuming that players are available, one of the advantages I thought to our signings this season is that we do look like we can actually play a slightly different system. I felt like last season, the squad we had was so built to play this kind of 4-4-2, same system. Whereas this season, you, you can actually change that a wee bit. Um, so I would be in... If we, if we tried something a little different, I mean, if I don't know. if we, We've got the players to go something like even a sort of 4-2-3-1. Maybe Hamilton up on his own, and you could have sort of Wallace, Swanson if he's fit, and you know, anybody else basically just behind him. Uh, I I think we've got the squad to do that, and I wouldn't I wouldn't mind us doing that. On the other hand, I wouldn't be surprised if we just played, you know, the same team and went out and got a good result against Dumbarton. But I think the Dumbarton game is going to be a big test for us if we're sitting here in a week's time and saying. Oh, that was a bit lacklustre and we didn't win, then then I might start to get worried. Um I wouldn't be I wouldn't be shocked if we went out, played quite well and beat them. Um doing the same thing we've been trying to do recently. I think it's it's a little bit too early for me to kind of jump to conclusions about that. We we saw some nice football in, in the League Cup games and the friendlies. I know it's different quality opposition and stuff, but I mean, Neil, what would you like to see next week uh, against Dumbarton? I think for me, what I've noticed from this season is that okay, when the, the ball's with the goalkeeper, if it's Brett or Jordan, it gets rolled out or passed out to defenders 
and then it gets played long. And then we have to rely on the play coming back in order for us to go forward again. I'd, I'd quite like a bit more if Agnew or Davidson dropped in to take the ball off the defenders and then we played from there rather than putting it long into the corners and then we, we see what happens. There was a lot of times today I just felt that, I mean, okay, I keep saying it, but conditions like you just get rid of it. But that was, especially in the second half, it was just a case of get rid of it, get along. And there was no real build-up. I'd like to see us build up more rather than, look, like I say, long, their defenders win the header, then we play. Um, whereas last year, I seem to remember, we did more of that. We did get the ball wide. We did try and take players on, um, cutbacks and everything. And I think that's just what's missing. Maybe that's because we're kind of missing uh, Dunsmore and Denham, who give you a natural width, or Swanson, who's out there. We're missing those three players at the minute. I know Dunsmore was on the bench, but he didn't come on today. Just a bit more plan going forward, like I say, rather than going directly long all the time. Um, yeah, that's. I think that's the thing that's missing this season so far, or from the last, or especially from today and maybe last week as well. That's one thing that I've noticed in the, in the last couple of games is that we have gone long ball, route one style football, which isn't isn't our strength. You know, Ryan Wallace is isn't the tallest guy in the world. You've got Jack Hamilton. Don't get me wrong. You know, he's he's, he's a big physical presence, but you know we've got so many players that are good on the ball. Why aren't we playing to our strengths? You know, why aren't we getting Aggie on the ball? you know, as, as much as we can to, to, to play a decent pass. Um, I think the other thing that I'm concerned about is no Danny Swanson at all in the squad today. Um, he, he was obviously very poor last week. But, you know, the, the thing that concerns me with, with stuff like this is the, the sheer lack of communication for the club and the fact that, you know, we as fans, we, we don't know. We, you know we, we simply don't know. Is he injured? Is he not injured? You know, and, and it's kind of... Uh, you know, an unknown entity. I, I don't think that we really need to worry about what other teams find out. But I mean, as you know, as a club, you know, is, is he injured or is he dropped? You know, there's that ambiguity. It seems to be there all the time. A couple of things I'll just throw in. And like anyone that wants to jump in on any of these, feel free. And if you don't, you, you don't need to. I thought the pitch looked awful on TV. Maybe it was just because I had it on the big TV, but it's like, it just looked terrible quality we've got that on our pitch here it's just it it's not good viewing on tv then you had a bunch of neds that were kind of watching over a fence which i thought was ingenious but i'm surprised they got let away with it and then is it my imagination or was there chanting like there was a group of fans that were singing or something it wasn't piped in but i heard some kind of singing or chanting a couple of stages during the second half uh, i um i didn't hear chanting uh, everyone's got our neds, Michael. You know, we we had a ned up a tree last week. Yes, you know that, that's important. Uh, going back to the pitch thing, I think every artificial pitch looks terrible on TV. I thought ours looks terrible last week. Kilmarnock's is the worst. It looks like sheet ice that they're playing on. Mm. Yeah, I think that's just a general thing. But yeah, let, let's let's keep neds inclusive in Scottish football. They have their place. Steve Adobe's got a wee bobby. <laughs> <laughs> Neil yeah, well, I was just going to mention that as well that I saw on the view for the terrace last week that little clip about Dobie's got a wee bobby but I yeah I don't know how long Falkirk's pitch has been down for that official surface but some of the bounces today just seemed a bit that 
maybe their players were more used to it. There was one, mm-hmm. I th- it was either Hamilton or Collins was through kind of towards the end of the game. And on a grass pitch, you would have seen the ball just carry on with its natural bounds. And it kind of ended up going behind whoever it was, Hamilton or Collins. And that, that was something I noticed today, that just the break of the ball just wasn't that great. I mean, from what I'm aware, ours is actually quite a good plastic pitch. Um, and my impression was that Falkirk one, Falkirk's one has actually been down for quite a while. And maybe it was just a bit sticky, a bit dry, and maybe that had an effect on the game as well. Maybe we could put it down to that today. That was the problem. Yeah, let, let's clutch at straws here. Um, exactly. The, the pitch that we've got in Vancouver is terrible. It's like people hate coming to play on it. And Robbie Keane, when he was with LA Galaxy, he was so easily triggered. You just started to mention the pitch to him and he'd go off on a rant. A couple of F-bombs and a couple of his his post-game stuffs as well, talking about it. He hated it that much. So teams can use a, a bad pitch to their advantage. I guess the more teams that end up having these plastic pitches kind of negates that. Talking about clutching at straws then, let's, let's do our glass half full, glass half empty. I'm going to kick off by saying my glass half full was our clocks haven't gone back here yet. So I got a nice 8 a.m. start this morning, which was nice and pleasant. I didn't have to get up at 7. So let's go around all year for glass half full, first of all, starting with Doug. Uh, I mean, very quickly, my glass half full was that I won £85 on my coupon. Um, uh, glass half full, uh, I've got two. Uh, said it already, Cove away, Falkirk away, done. Excellent. Uh, and no fans to get on Young's back at Bayview uh, next week. Very good points. Gordon? I think the only thing I can think of is no red cards, no extra suspensions for next week. Yeah. That's something. <laughs> that is something that this year we've gone through a game. We're fine. Neil, what about yourself? Again, it's a difficult one, but I thought, okay, he conceded two goals, but I actually thought Brett Long didn't have a lot to do today, but his handling was pretty good. His kicking was pretty good for the conditions. Being a very average goalkeeper myself 10 years ago, those are the games that you dreaded. And actually, he held everything. There wasn't. I don't think there was one shot that he kind of mm. fumbled a little bit or anything. That um, Yeah, I'd, actually, he's probably going to get my three points, um, purely because a lot of the players didn't really do anything other than nothing um, today. So... Yeah, that's my glass half full. Good goalkeeping performance. Yeah, he might get mine as well. Lee, you're a goalkeeper, you're always telling us. Have you played in those kind of conditions? A lot of times. A lot of times. But, but you're as good as Brett Long? Better. Nah. Um, I was better than Neil, though. Oh. Was he Neil? Let's, get, let's put this to bed now. Well, Lee's a lot older than me, so I have no idea. It's a problem. Um... Plus, he fills the goal more as well, you've got to say. Well, I don't know. Universe, well, you probably did see me 10, 15 years ago. I also was about double the size of a goal. So um, so I guess that was my advantage. But ah, who knows? Right, let, let's get... I, I wanted to get a bit of positivity because I know it has felt a little bit doom and gloom, although we did pick it up a bit when Lee interspersed. So that, that was good. Do you, do you have a glass half full, Lee, actually? I know you haven't seen the game, but... From what you've heard or from what you've read in the chats, anything that you're taking as a positive from this? Um, no, 
<laughs> the only I'm joking aside. I think that the, the the only thing that I could probably agree with is is probably Doug's. Um, you know, we've, we've taken two of the 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 hardest games on the chin early, and we just need to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off. I'll finish with the the glass half empty, and then we can go around to everybody else's. I think for me, I'm I'm really concerned that you know we've we've scored. Uh, a couple of goals, but we seem to be conceding a lot, particularly again down this left-hand side, and it just doesn't seem to be getting addressed. Um, it, we say it week after week. It was the same story last season. I wonder if there is a plan B that we need to realise now that plan B needs to be moved to plan C pronto. Hmm. Doug, what's your glass half empty this week? Um, yeah, kind of similar to Lee. I, I just put, have we been found out? Um, is is a definite worry. Um, yeah, God, I, I, I probably could have about four hundred glasses. Yeah, I was thinking it's going to be a I big line my, of glasses. I'm in a positive frame of mind, so we'll go with that. I'll, I'll have we been found out? Question mark. End of discussion. I need to start betting on his five because I'm three for three so far in my predictions for the league games. But anyway, Gordon, your your glass half empty. I think um in last season we looked like a team that we, we were competing at the top. We we never really a, a couple of games aside, you know, we, we we looked like a team that could compete with anybody. And today we we didn't look like we're a, a team that could compete with Falkirk you know we've got to play them two more times and and based on today you would imagine we'd be lucky to take a point off them Um, and so it it does kind of look a bit to me like we're we're not the team that's going to be you know able to go and win against anybody Um, I I, I imagine we'll move up the table from 10th but I think we're going to be a bit of a distance off the front runners this season. Yeah, I think sadly that's a fear of mine as well. What about yourself, Neil? What would your glass half empty be? Uh, It's kind of a a double-edged sword that I think the glass half full of me is that I think from fourth down to tenth it'll be very close. But the glass half empty is that from fourth to tenth it'll be very close. So actually we could be in fourth, you know, one week and we get two defeats in a row and you could be in tenth. And I think that could be really scary this season is how quickly you can climb the table, but also how quickly you can fall down the table with those six teams, seven teams, all seem to be beating each other. And I think we're all capable of beating each other. And on our days, we're all capable of beating Cove, Partick and Falkirk as well. Um, so yeah, just just how quickly I think we can fall down the table if we ever manage to get back up the table is the, is the pessimist in me. Yeah, I think that's probably mine as well, like to be bottom after three games, because Lee and me had spoken when the fixtures came out about how many points we thought we might be realistic. We knew it was a, a tough opening start to the season. I think, Lee, you'd said six points we, we're kind of looking for. We've got one. You don't want to fall behind in a shortened season, but it's just going to be a case of stringing some results together, I think, and, and we've got a good chance. My glass half empty, I guess, is that we are down the bottom. If we're doing a 3-2-1 for this week, it's going to be tough. 
Um, if you want to avoid it altogether, feel free. But let's start with Doug. Uh, no, I managed to get. I managed to get three. Um, three points have gone Brett Long. Pretty much what was said by Neil. Uh, he just didn't do anything wrong. You know, he he, he made us some good saves. You know, he. he, he Came for crosses when he could do. Obviously, it wasn't a great day for goalies, I wouldn't think. Um, but yeah, I mean, he literally gets three for being the only guy that I think didn't really do anything wrong. Uh, two points. I'm going to give it to Murdoch. I actually thought he dealt with Morrison not bad. Um, you know, fouled him when you needed to foul him in, in kind of non-threatening areas when he was maybe going to get away. I thought it was quite a professional job from him. Um, so I thought he was all right. And... And I've given one to Collins because, similar to Long, I guess he came off the bench and didn't do a massive amount wrong, basically. Gordon, what about yourself? Yeah, I've gone three points for Stuart Murdoch. I thought he, he had a pretty good game. Collins was, um, sorry, uh, Morrison was very lively and I thought he, he dealt with them pretty well. Um, and you know, he managed to do okay getting forward as well. Two points for Brett Long. Again, didn't really make any mistakes. Did most of what was asked for him. Made one good save. That's more than enough for two points. One I was really struggling with. I mean, I think the one was just going to get given for effort, so giving it to Ryan Wallace. And Neil? Uh, I'm kind of combining the two opinions before me. I've gone three for Brett Long because, like I said earlier, I thought it was, despite conceding two goals, it was quite a strong goalkeeping performance, if you can say that. Two for Stuart Murdoch, because I think he dealt with Morrison pretty well. And I'm really struggling for one. And I'm probably going to have to give it to the weather, because the weather did put in a really, really strong performance, I have to admit. Oh, it was uh, some torrential rain, yeah. gale force winds. I don't think you could ask for much more from the weather, to be honest. I mean, that's just good Scottish football. That's what I miss. Precisely. Our games here are played under a roof. Like we've got a stadium with a roof that if it's the, even a little bit chilly, they shut the roof and have it all temperature controlled. So I'm spoiled. I miss all this. I'm I'm also going three points uh, for Long, two for Murdoch. I'm giving one to Hamilton just because he, well, I'm str- was struggling to pick anyone else, but he kind of, he put in a shift. He ran around a lot. I just felt bad for him because he wasn't getting a lot of service. That that's what it's come down to. He he ran around. He gets a point. That's a good thing. So there's two more things I want to just cover, unless Lee wants to to jump in with anything as well. One is next week's Dumbarton game. But before we get to that, we're gonna have Liam up later in the show just talking about the stream and the importance of the, the stream to the club to make money. My worry with this is if we start going on a bad run, the people that aren't season ticket holders aren't going to be buying the stream. So it could really be hitting us financially to, to, to go on a bad run, Doug. I mean, we're the hardcore. The season ticket holders are the hardcore. We're the folk that really love the club. But even some of the folk that I, I know would normally be buying the stream are might maybe like, I'm not going to pay money for that. Uh, yeah, it's a massive worry. I think it's a, it'll be a huge worry for for every club. Uh, I think they said there was a hundred uh, non-season ticket holders got yes. the Montrose game, and half now, of them are Montrose fans. 
Yeah, now that's not sustainable in the long term. That's you know that's a fact. Um, that's the first home game of the season, and you've only got hundred. Now we're not going to be challenging for the league, so that sort of boom you can get from that is probably not going to happen. So if you look, best case at the moment, we're fighting for that fourth. I, I can't. I'd be surprised if it goes much up. It, much higher than that and I, that's a real worry I, look people people have found different things to do on Saturdays that's that's a problem um, that, that happens in general and and like today you know I know obviously it's a away game but 14 quid it's a lot of money it is a lot of money um, you know while everything is going on so no I think that's a huge worry and I don't know how you massively change that to be honest yeah I mean Gordon 14 quid today when we, Lee and me were talking about who we might get to, to do this today, we're thinking, who's going to be paying 14 quid for that? You've still got this early season excitement. As the season goes on, I don't know how many folk would pay for a, a, a return, 14 quid, say, to, for Falkirk. But also, are people maybe going to stop buying the, the, the home streams and just think, I'll just wait for, for the highlights to come up? Yeah, I was I was really on the fence until maybe yesterday, I think, about whether I was going to... Because um, a lot of the clubs, they've gone about 12, 12 pound 50, which I think is still quite expensive. I think you are just basically um, advertising that to your hardcore. And then you know, Falkirk were the one club who actually went, no, nah, we want one pound 50 more. And it was, you know, really just that, you know, I just don't feel like paying them that. So it was, I mean, so we've got to go there again at some point. And if, if we're still streaming by then, I imagine I probably won't pay for it. And I, I thought my feeling with streaming was that I know football has got a lot, especially in the lower leagues, it's a lot of, it's an older fan base. So there's maybe a lot of people who don't have the internet or aren't very up on the internet or PayPal and all these things. But I thought, it might be, if it was priced properly, you might get a lot of, for example, away fans. You know, maybe f- like 50 Montrose fans. My kind of thought was, well, if that was if that was really cheaply priced, why couldn't you get half of Montrose's normal home support? But maybe I've completely overestimated people's willingness to watch football on a stream. Maybe, you know, like say for us, we're happy to watch it on our stream for a lot of people. Maybe it's just if I can't go to the game, I'm not paying. I'm not paying for it, and that that is a worry. I I, I expected bigger. I expected more people to be paying, but I do under I do understand. I think that generally the prices are are too high. If it's fifteen pound to get into a, a a ground, a lot of people say, "Well, I'm not going to pay twelve, thirteen, fourteen pounds to watch a stream." I think that's just the reality. You're going to hear from from Liam on this on the show tomorrow, and he and he's going to justify why the the price I think is the price, and I, and I do agree with a lot of the reasons for it. I think that it certainly changed my viewpoint on it. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to assume, apart from Neil, that everybody else has a season ticket, so they'll um, get their, their their stream for free, particularly for home games, but. You know, there's, there is going to come a point where we as fans need to, to really rally behind the club because, you know, we worked out that 
every second week the club will be getting £1,250 in um, if, if that's the, the rate of streams that we've got already and it's just not sustainable for us. So what Liam's pitching is that we need to look at it as not £12.50 to stream the game, it's a £12.50 donation. So, I mean, Neil, you're like me, you're overseas. We're lucky because the, the gold plan, if clubs allow, lets you stream away games as well as the home. I was kind of amazed, actually, Falkirk did I agree to that. I don't know if that's like that for other clubs in our division, but again, that's then taking revenue from clubs so say if Falkirk have a gold plan for their people and then they're playing at Bayview then you're not going to be getting the buy-up rate either from the Falkirk fans so it's a tough one as an overseas viewer do you feel that it's a good price and it's good value I know it's good because of Liam but (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of have the viewpoint of Anderson tinted glasses, I suppose, but it's, I think, you know, was it about £100? Yeah. You know, if we've got, uh, what that, 13 or 14 home games, you know, you're not even talking a 10 or a game. And that's not just for one person. That could be a family household. If you've got a, a I was going to say a father and son, but that's really sexist. If you've got a whole family, you could, you could have 10 people in your family watching that. So that works out to be, a pound or so per mm. person, it's great value. And you know, I was I was surprised today. I, I text my sister thinking I would have to buy the Falkirk stream, and she said, "No, you, we'll be filming it." Um, and that surprised me. I wasn't. I didn't realize that was included. Um, I think the gold package is the best value. Um, and like you were saying earlier, I don't the season ticket um, holders. I don't, they didn't buy the season ticket hoping to get into the games later. They bought it because they buy a season ticket every year, you know, and, and that's their contribution to the club. Um, I don't know going forward if if lower league clubs are going to have to start opening like a... I mean, I know there's the East Five Supporters Club, but if you can become a member of East Five Football Club and you pay your monthly contribution, I don't know if people will buy into that, but that's certainly another avenue of getting money in. There'll have to be some benefits with that as mm-hmm. well, but the similar way to a golf club that mm. you pay your monthly fee or you pay your, I mean, if you pay for a season ticket, I don't think you can be asked to pay any more, but maybe there could be a, a plan where if you're a pay at the gate fan, five pound a month. Okay. It's five pound a month, but if you know, a hundred people do that a month, that's an extra 500 pounds a month. Um, going back to your point though, about an overseas fan, I think it's, it's for the gold package. It's definitely worth it. I would say. Yeah, we just need to maybe tap in more and get some more of those taken up. It's going to be tough this season financially for clubs like East Fife, for for clubs uh, just around lower Scottish football. So, yep, hopefully folk can support it. I guess we'll just end up with a little prediction for next week's game. Big game already. Third placed Dumbarton. Now coming to take on bottom placed East Fife. Let's start with, with Neil, since we've, we've gone the other way around for, for predictions and other stuff. What are you expecting or what are you going to predict for next week? I think we have to come out attacking from the first minute because going on reflection today, we sat off too much. And I think, is Denham back next week as well? He and should Dunsmore be. potentially then? Right, so there's your natural width. And I mean, 
if I'm right as well, Dumbarton have still got their two centre-halves, the knuckle-draggers that basically just head everything away, but really can't run either. Start playing the ball round them. You know, to, I said it before, if we play a long ball against Dumbarton, we're, we're finished, you know, because they're just going to head everything away. Um, we really need to start building it up properly, on like we did last season, building it much more from the deck. Um, as a score prediction... 2-1 East Fife, first goal, Scott Agnew with a penalty. Ooh. We've, we've got to get a penalty at some point. Yeah, you, you'd think. We have to get in the box and well, that's, menacing yeah, that's for it. that to happen, but yeah. yeah. Gordon, expectations I, for next week and prediction? I agree with you. I think we've got to, we've got to kind of go back to basics a bit. Attack. Um, Dumbarton are there to be had. Um, go back to the kind of way we were. Wingers, get the ball down, play it, um, and just have a right go at them. Um, uh, so hopefully we do that. And if we can do that, I would predict something like a 3-1 for us. Like Jack Hamilton to get back in the goals. Um, but yeah, I think I, think I would predict a, a win for us with both teams scoring. Mm. It's an optimist's union so far. I'm sure Doug will take this down. Or will he? Uh, I, I, it's very hard to disagree with anything that, that's been said. Um, I actually text Lee before this game and said it's quite an attacking lineup today. Uh, but that's just on paper. Let's attack on the pitch um, and have players play in the right areas. Uh, I've been quite positive in my predictions so far. So I'm going to switch that around because that's not worked. And I'm going to go East 5 nil, Dumbarton 2. I was just looking up the what happened with Dumbarton this week there, actually. So their win over Airdrie today, it was a first-half goal from Wilson and then an own goal is what got them over the line. So can't read too much into that as to how much or how well they were playing. I am going to go for 1-1. I, I think we might take the lead and then Dumbarton will pull us back late on as we try and go for the killer second. I'll go with Hamilton to to get his, his scoring boots back on. Lee, let's get your prediction and then if you want to wrap the show up. I'm going to go 2-0. I think that we'll get Two. a defense to East Fife. I'm going to be defensively um, a masterclass next week and I'm going to go Dundee to come back and get within the goals and a Scott Agnew free kick well there we go I think that unless, does anyone want to plug anything does anybody want any final comments let's start with Doug uh, I, I've got nothing to plug but I did see a very funny story that I thought will lift our spirits on a Saturday evening um, is it Pixelot that do all the yes. most of the game now, did you hear about the Inverness Cali Thistle moment? Yes, I tweeted this out over yeah. here. <laughs> so for, for those for those who missed that, Inverness Cali Thistle had to apologise after the camera, which is programmed to follow the ball throughout the game, kept going to the linesman's bald head instead and followed him up and down the line, which I thought was such an amusing uh, anecdote and had to be shared. It also happened with a team down in England as well. It's because they're using AI cameras and they can't differentiate between bald men and bald heads. I have this problem. Thank, thank God there's not any on Fife fans on Doug or the camera would never be off us, mate. Oh, um, that's why I've got my hat on here. 
<laughs> Neil, you're bound to want to, to get us watching some opera online. Uh, I guess there's a lot of free streams for the... I mean, I, I don't imagine there's a lot of East Fife fans that are particularly taken by opera itself, but, you know, I might be surprised. Um, no, I just just don't think we have to be that pessimistic for the season. You know, three games in, we've played the three toughest teams. We're three points off fourth. Or is it maybe even two points off fourth? Three. Three. So, yeah, just, you know, we win next week. It's, you know, we're starting to look upwards. We get beat next week. Then we're kind of struggling a bit, I think. Mm. Um, but then again, we're only two wins away from fourth. So True. it's not the end of the world yet. No. Well, I mean, it's not over till the fat lady sings, which brings me nicely to Lee. <laughs> I think that we know that Neil is a singer here, and I think he'd look better in a dress than I would. But, yep, we'll see how it goes. I'm going to try and still err on the, 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 the positive side. Thanks for that nice side dig there, Michael. Um, happy anniversary as well. I don't know how Caitlin's continued to put up with you all these years. Um, 18. 18 years. Yep. That's a long, long time. And congratulations. I hope you have a nice night, afternoon, whatever time it is over yeah. in Canada land. I, I pretty much just want to go upstairs and pull the covers over my head um, and, and question why I started a podcast when we've been so absolutely brutal at the start of the season. But I'm sure the boys will, will, will prove me wrong next week. But with Michael's permission, that's the end of this week's Five Fan Zone. Um, thanks as always to our, our mainstay guest Doug and also joined by Gordon Henderson and Neil Anderson some great input and really enjoyed that and yeah on to Dumbarton next week and I look forward to hearing all your thoughts then but until then see you next week So there we go, that's this week's Five Fan Zone. I hope you guys have enjoyed it as much as we did. We always enjoy doing the, the Fan Zone section and just getting a little bit of variance in opinion. Some some interesting topics discussed there, some interesting thoughts and feedback. As always, if you want to add yours and you've enjoyed the section, just please drop us a message on Twitter at Glory Days of Gold. That tends to be where our social media activity is, is the most proactive, so drop us a little message on there. Well, as we talked about there in Fife Fan Zone, the results today have left East Fife sitting bottom of League One. So let's have a look at how the rest of the day played out in the division. Next week's opponents, as we talked about there, Dumbarton, went to Airdrie, came away with a 2-0 win. Jamie Wilson given the Suns a 22nd minute lead. And they sealed the three points on the hour mark thanks to an own goal from Airdrie's Leon McCann. That win moves Dumbarton up to third place in the standings. Unbeaten still in the season, four points from their two games played so far, with last week's game being postponed due to a waterlogged pitch. In what could be looked as their first big test of the season, Cove Rangers took on Partick Thistle at home at Balmoral, and they came away with a massive three points to leave them a 100% record for the season so far. 1-0 win against the Jags, with the winning goal coming four minutes into stoppage time. Rory McAllister slotting home 
which you would have imagined would have sent the cold faithful into raptures if they had been attending the game. But instead, watching from home, I'm sure they were equally as happy with that 1-0 win. Cove sitting top of the table. Nine points from three games, a plus five goal difference. Sitting two points behind them are Falkirk now, after their 2-0 win over East Fife today. And Cove, Falkirk and Dumbarton making up the top three and the only three teams in the division with a plus goal difference. All the other seven teams sitting on negative goal difference. East Fife the worst of that on minus four. Just to round up the other results today, Peterhead came away with a 2-0 win at Clyde and Montrose 3-2 winners against Forfer. That win having Montrose into the playoff positions in fourth place. Airdrie sit fifth and third. Partick Thistle sixth on three. Clyde seventh on three. Peterhead eighth on three. Then four for ninth with two. And East Five propping up the rest with their one point from the three games so far. But as we did talk about in the Five Fan Zone, two of those three games away to two of the toughest opponents in the league and the top two right now. So yeah, maybe it isn't all doom and gloom after all, but it does make next week's home game against Dumbarton all the more important. Looking forward to seeing how that one plays out. So it looks like we've got some more Scottish football chat. So fans could be starting to get let in um, for areas in the country in Tier 1. Um, let's that I mean look that's positive move forward it's something that I think that we've we've all sort of been angling for I think that as long as there's enough space then there's no reason that we shouldn't be looking at being able to do that um, I noticed that in the press this week Manchester United have announced that they feel that they could host about 23,500 fans safely so I think that um, that'll be interesting obviously it's a massive arena in Manchester and if they're going to socially distance the fans then it may be something that they could do I don't think that they'll be able to do away fans but maybe and sort of spread out their season ticket holders um, or some of the season ticket holders across the ground more evenly um, I've been watching a bit of the Champions League this week and it's been interesting seeing some fans back in the stadium which was really really weird before I came on tonight I was watching Chelsea versus Krasnodar and they had some fans in, in the ground and it, it's strange because for such a long time we're used to seeing fans in grounds but now when you see it you're a bit like you know, it's, a, it's, a, it's such a shock to see it, but there we go. It's, I think that's way too many for Man United to, to, to try and let in straight off the bat. I've got to say that. I was watching the, the Rangers Standard Liège game last week and there was fans in at that. And I was like you, I was like, wow, that's so weird to see. There seemed to be a lot of them in there. It turned out it was just under 4,000 in a 26,000 capacity stadium. But the way they were seated, a lot of them seemed quite close together. And I was like, that's a bit weird. And then this week, it turns out Belgium's got one of the worst cases throughout Europe. Their hospitals are getting overrun. So to let fans into games, even though they were mandated, they had to wear masks and they couldn't smoke or drink, just seemed a unnecessary risk for a country that's going through a lot. Now here, we're going to have these tiered approaches. So anything in tier zero, tier one... I think it, it's not as big a risk. It is worth trying out. We talked about Henry Ireland earlier in the show. He had an interesting thing yesterday. I, I saw it on Twitter when they were discussing this. And he said, why don't you try it out in, say, the non-league to start with and then move up to, say, the, the lower leagues in Scotland? And I actually think that would be a good idea. Test it in the lower league. 
the Highland League that we talked about last week that can't get underway without fans being there, the East of Scotland League, if it works there after a couple of weeks, League One, League Two, these are the teams that really need the money as well from the fans coming in. What we don't want to see is them opening it up like Man U and letting in thousands and then something goes wrong and then we're back to square one and we're the ones that's been punished for that. Yeah, I think you're absolutely bang on. I mean, one of the things that I read today was actually about Sweden, who were one of the countries that sort of boasted about how they dealt with COVID in terms of like herd immunity and stuff. But then they've announced 1,900 new cases today, which is, I think, a record high day. And then France are going back into a national lockdown in November, and they're expected to do that for the whole of November. So I would much rather that, again, you know, I think that we've got it bang on in terms of the tier system. Let's make sure that we, we utilise that and we take it step by step. But, you know, let's be cautious. Let's always err on the, on the side of caution. I, I just want to say as well, like I've been going to some of the local games here, like in the amateur league that I do coverage for, and fans are allowed around the pitch there. And you're allowed a maximum of 50, which sometimes has been breached because no one's really looking at it or policing it. But the game on Saturday, I got a bit jittery because this guy started standing beside me and talking to me. And I was like, do you mind like moving away, please? And he kind of seemed offended by that. And it's like, I don't know who you are. And you've just suddenly started standing beside me. So it gets you a little bit jittery. And I think it'll be like that once fans are initially let in. There's going to be some folk that's a little bit jittery about that. So it's just patience, understanding, be nice, be kind. But I mean, look, I'm, I don't have any qualms with telling people look, respect social distancing, etc. Because I mean, I work in retail. And the, the amount of people that we get that are, are space invaders, as I call them, you know, the amount of times they've got to say, put a mask over your face. Can you please make sure your mask's covering your nose? Can you please respect social distancing? It's, the, it's second nature to me now. And you're right, some people do take offence to it. You know, it's the same, but they're the same people that come in with their mask and it doesn't cover their nose. One of the best things that I read was that um, there was a video of a guy who was wearing his boxers with his dick hanging out the top. It was like, you wouldn't wear your boxers like that, so why did you wear a mask with your nose hanging out? It's absolutely nuts. It's the same. I love that term, space invaders. I'm going to use that over here. So this week, guys, I know that after the, the, the chat on, that we had on, on Saturday and you listened to on Sunday, Mike told you that this week had a Halloween theme and he's literally jumping out of his seat to talk about this. So take it away, Michael. Well, for me, Have You Heard should be all about local bands and if they're East Fife supporters, even better. That's what we're bringing you this week. It's a band from Methow and Fife, 13 Tombs. The lead singer, Marcus Carcass, used to write for AFTN back in the day under his real name. It might surprise you to know Marcus Carcass is, is not actually his real name. But... They've been on the go for a while. They're, they come out of a band, that you, they used to be called The Schoolhouse, then they became Rocket's Revenge. And as Rocket's Revenge, they actually opened for a, a gig that I put on, a fundraising gig in Kirkcaldy back in the 90s. And then they've kind of gone into a two-piece band with a drum machine called 13 Tombs. They're a schlock punk band. All their songs have a kind of horror theme about them. They've toured around the UK. They've supported a lot of the top punk bands uh, that's come over touring here as well. And for Halloween, I'm bringing you a song by them. This is I Drink Your Blood. I 
So there you go, that was Mike's choice this week, 13 tombs. Let us know what you thought, if anything, um, at glorydaysofgold at gmail.com or just on Twitter um, at glorydaysofgold, of course. Um, nice to have a Fife band on this week. Michael's again jumping out his seat to, to tell us. Go on, Michael. I just wanted to say you can find them on Bandcamp and also on YouTube as well. But if you go to Bandcamp, 13 tombs, it's the number 13. Support local talent, support local soccer, as the hashtag is here. So we've talked a a lot in last week's show and this week's show just about the whole streaming services around Scottish football. And it has generated a a lot of online chatter, not just amongst East Fife fans, but throughout Scottish football, not even just the lower leagues. There's been some hits, there's been some misses, there's been some complaints, there's been some very happy punters. So what we thought we would do to kind of explain how East Fife are approaching it this season, we wanted to get on lifelong East Fife fan and Associate Director Liam Anderson just to give us some of those details. So let's hear from Liam just now. So delighted to be joined tonight by lifelong East Fife fan and Associate Director Liam Anderson. Hello, Liam. Hi there, how are you doing guys? We're cracking mate and we've spoke a long time about getting you on the show and it's good to finally pin you down and manage to get you to join us and you've probably heard me say it about a thousand times during the podcast but we really appreciate all the support that you've given us, it's, it's been amazing so thank you so much. Uh, that's, that's no problem, we're, we're all for promoting things that are promoting the club so and you guys are doing a great job on that. Um, just before we go into what we're going to talk about, I have to say that I thought the fan zone bit on Saturday's uh, or Sunday's podcast was excellent. Uh, I thought the the four guys that you had on, it was four, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, were, were first class, first class, very knowledgeable on the game, uh, no histrionics or, you know, it was, it was all well constructed. I don't know how much he ended up cutting out of it, but uh, actually probably nothing. Be a few bits. No, really? I, well, I, apart from one, Comment I mentioned about something we we nothing else got cut out. <laughs> okay, right, fair enough. Look, Liam, we've got you on for that um, a reason, and, and it's mainly to talk about East Five TV. You you were quite quick to to respond on Sunday with with some of the comments that we'd made um, regarding the cost of the the subscription. So I thought we would get you on tonight, maybe just to, to talk about the the club side of things and, and the reason the price is why it is. Okay, yeah, it's, it's, it's quite straightforward, to be perfectly honest. Um, as far as the, the streaming goes, uh, the club feels that its first priority is to our season ticket holders. Uh, the season ticket holders were the ones that put their money up front to, to help us uh, when you know during the closed season. Uh, these people were paid full season ticket prices uh, for, uh, for the privilege. Uh, so our, our first consideration was to make sure that we wonder, weren't uh, uh, demeaning the season ticket holders. Um, I think it, it basically works out that per game, uh, the season ticket holders are paying something like £13, 14 pence, something like that, or £13.40, something like that. And uh, we, we just felt it would be unfair to, to grossly undercut that uh, for for these people, now the the twelve pound fifty um, because it gets paid to East Five TV, uh, and it, 
all all payments will go to East Five TV, hopefully in time for the Dumbarton game. But we've had a real problem getting our bank account set up. So some are going through the club shop. But basically, there's no VAT on that £12.50. Whereas the season ticket holders have got 20% VAT built into their to their prices. So whilst it uh, is, is slightly under uh, what they're, they, they're paying, in reality, what the club benefits from is, is actually a bit more. But as I mentioned to you, Lee, no sooner did we announce the prices last week than uh, there was at least one, probably two or three season ticket holders came on screaming about the fact that uh, they, were, they were being charged more to watch the stream than people who are just you know, buying pay-per-view. So we had to explain to them that situation. And there's maybe others that need, needed to know about that as well. So hence the reason why I, I suggested that the, the pricing part of it probably needed to be explained. Mm-hmm. Right? That's, that's putting, it, uh, putting it in a nutshell. Um, so the, we have had issues with, with the stream um, and people quite rightly uh, upset that particularly on Saturday, the first 15 minutes was rubbish. And basically the reason for that is we were trying to be too clever. We uh, were actually trying to stream it in too high quality and ah. the stream just, just wasn't working. Um, but it meant that for Laura to fix that, she had to shut down the stream completely and reset it. So that's the reason it took 15 minutes to do that. But we now know that's that's the situation. Uh, that will not happen again. Um, and uh, the week before at Cove, that was, again, out, that one was out with our control. It was a Windows 10 update that had corrupted the, the streaming software. Uh, and we couldn't find that out until till we got home at night. That that's that's what it was. So the overseas people didn't get their stream stream from Cove. But apart from the disaster at uh, uh, Socky, when there was just no Wi-Fi, you know the other streams haven't been too bad. Uh, the Dunfermline game at home really went without too much of a hitch. I think there was a. Uh, a half second uh, sync problem between the commentator being early to what was on the video um, and the Cowden Beef game went went without a hitch as far as far as I'm aware certainly never got any complaints complaints about it so it was some of the some of the stuff I saw on social media was you know quite quite cutting and quite hurting mm. in, a, in a lot of respects you know we're trying to do what we can here and um, Neither Laura nor myself have got uh, a background in, in uh, media. Uh, so we're, we're learning as we go along. And it will get better and it will continue to get better. I can certainly relate to the Windows 10 update because I was telling Lee earlier that we were doing a, a live YouTube stream after the Whitecats game on Tuesday night. And then a minute before I went live, I'd fired up my laptop and it had done a Windows 10 update. And it all crashed on me, and then we were delayed by half an hour before we could go on as we tried to kind of fix it and switch things over. So technology can be an absolute pain in the ass. I, I think in general, though, the consensus is that it, it, quality is, is top-notch, and I think it is just the pricing. I, I don't know if you can share with us. We talked on last week's show, I think it was Chesterfield said they need to sell 500 
pay-per-view streams to make it worth their while. Is there a number that the club have in their mind that, that you can share? Well, yeah, I've be, been quite, quite open about it. It costs EFTV in excess of £200 to, to do every game. You know, to, to, to do the, the streaming, the streaming platform, the Wi-Fi dongle, the, the, the other software, etc., that we've got to, got to pay for. So that costs us about £200. Now, that's, that's fine. Obviously, we'll make that back, no problem. But I think the biggest issue here uh, with us guys is that put, putting my supporters' head on uh, as opposed to uh, a director's head is that I wouldn't be treating this as paying £12.50 to what to stream a game of football. To my mind, it's paying £12.50 to the football club to keep the football club afloat. That's that's the, the bottom line. When when we discussed this in the summer, we, we didn't have a, a figure uh, as such as to what we were looking to make, but to have 50 home fans out with the season ticket holders take up the stream is actually very, very poor. Uh, and I genuinely don't believe it's got anything to do with the cost of it. Um, I think if we, we could reduce it to £10, I don't believe that anybody who's going to pay £10 will not pay £12.50. Mm. I, I just I just don't, don't believe that. But the, the, the bottom line here is that this is the only regular income that the club's going to have now and that's what this is all about. Uh, we have to try and make make money to make ends meet for the for the football club. You know that's that's uh, that, that's exactly where we're coming from. We, we we've been involved with uh, every other club in the league. There's Zoom meetings just about every week between clubs. There was not a consensus of opinion at all as to what the cost should be. Mm. Uh, I believe Peter Head are doing. £10. Uh, Montrose and Forfar said they were doing £12.50. Uh, Falkirk were going to be £14. Uh, and that was directly because they said that's what the season ticket holders are paying. So they're not giving anybody else a discounted uh, a discounted uh, pay-per-view. Um, Partick Thistle said they were going to be £14 and then announced last week it was going to be 10 uh, So oh. it's we, we just don't know what, what the, the thing is. We just had to look at it and say, well, this, this is what we're, mm-hmm. we're setting it up and, uh, and go with it. And we knew it wasn't going to please everybody, but it's, we're trying to offer a service as best, as best as we can whilst trying to offset the costs they run in the football club on a, a weekly basis. So, on average, how much money, aside of the season ticket holders, if you don't mind me asking, do we make from a, a, a normal home game? Um, well, I, can't, I, I can't go into exact figures because I don't know the exact figures. And obviously, it varies on a game, game, yeah. game yeah. basis. And, and in, in truth, the, the variance in the money that we, we take in depends on the amount of away fans because yeah. it's the same, the same number go through the home turnstiles every week uh, out with the season ticket holders. So that's a hard, a hard core. So if we get Airdrie, we get a few more coming through. Um, if we get uh, Stranraer, you know, 
when in the days when players got comps, you know, there was the the there was more more Strand Rar fans in with comps than than uh, was ever ever paid in. So, but, but that was like when think, we used to go down there back in the day. Jim Baxter uh, exactly. always was handing yeah. out all the comps and everything. Yeah, I'll tell you a reason why one of the reasons that that comps got stopped. I, I know this is just coming off, but uh, you know Willie Gibson that plays for uh, Queen of the South and. Uh, Stranraer, he played for Stranraer and Dumbarton and a few other teams. He was the comps man. He was the go-to guy. So every time they came to Bayview, he would take all the comps and nobody knew where they went. You know, uh, and when you went to Stranraer, he was he was taking control of the comps and handing them out to to people that were his friends rather than the mm. family of the, the other teams uh, of of the other players. So. Uh, all the teams in the, the league at that point got together and said, enough's enough. So you can blame Willie Gibson for, for that one. Uh, but anyway, that's that's digressing. But I think suffice to say, uh, we, we the club took in probably a third of, a, a third minimum of uh, what we normally take for a home game. So, you know, that it, it doesn't take a lot to do the math on that to, to realise that, you know, there's not a lot changed. Um, the the players still have to be paid. You know, the stadium still costs the same to upkeep, whether there's people in it or not. Uh, so, you know, that's that's the, the 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 hub of the whole thing. I think uh, one of the things that I, I want to ask Liam is 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 it, we're never going to get the same amount of people taking up the stream as we would coming into the stadium, primarily because if if you've got a family. Uh, you know, a dad and two kids, they're only going to buy one stream. You know what I mean? So the, yeah. Yep. There needs to be a, a realistic figure of what we're expecting people to take. And and, and one of the ideas that I, I put to Michael last night, is there a way that we could potentially look at reducing the cost of a general pay-per-view ticket, but with a caveat that maybe we could do an event at the end of the season or once COVID nonsense has gone away for season ticket holders, maybe a meet and greet with the team or a, a pie and a pint night and, or a Q&A with Darren or, or something along those lines so that the season ticket holders aren't feeling hard done by 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 the losing the money. But there's the caveat that they'll get something at the end of the season. Because I think that if we could maybe even do that on a trial basis and see how it runs, you know, you might get more people think, right, okay, I'll pay six quid to stream it, but they wouldn't be stretched to 10. Right, but Lee, if you look at it the way that I was saying, we had we had exactly 100 people took the stream last Saturday, 50 of, of which from looking at IP addresses and, uh, and email addresses, we reckon were Montrose supporters. Uh, so there was 50, 50 people in there. But at £12.50, um, the... Uh, that brought in £1,250. Uh, there was £200 costs in doing it. So that was £1,000 to the club. Now, yeah. if you reduce that to £6, you would need three times the number of people watching it to even to even get back up to £1,250. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it, 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 does, it doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. You know, I, last week, Mike, Mike made a, 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 Michael made a, a good point last week, you know, that the overseas gold membership card um, is, is a good deal at £100 uh, because they're getting all the home games, um, they're getting any away games that we can do, plus any, you know, if the under-20s are playing or whatever, that's a good deal. 
But you also made the point, Michael, that for the same £100, you can get uh, live streams of the whole of the Premiership, yeah. the Bundesliga, the Mexican, anything you want. But the difference here is we're talking about maybe 100 to 200 people, whereas the company that's selling you that yeah. pass is looking at hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. So, you know, if they if they decide to do it for 99 bucks or, or whatever and, and still make money, that's great. This is this the the purpose of this is a a wee bit different. This is really yes. to try and keep the club afloat. And you know, my my as a, as a, I think I said earlier on, um, I I would be I would be viewing it as a donation to the club rather than paying for a stream. And um, you know, you mentioned uh, Lee about the parent and child. You know, if there is a, a uh, with two kids, say, watching watching the game at £12.50, that guy would have paid £20 to get into the game with mm-hmm. himself and his two kids. So he's saving £8 on, on the admission money, you know. So it's the, the, there are savings for some, but it's, it's definitely ev- every contribution to it is a reduction on what would be the walk-up at the gate price. And I know that streaming isn't the same as being at a game. I fully appreciate that. I noticed that some people said that uh, somebody looked, looked at his phone to check scores and then missed one of the goals on Saturday. Um, so that, that's that's something that we're, we're trying to address as well. So it's, it's not the same experience, but this is about now generating income, which, to be brutally honest, is about keeping the football club afloat. I mean, if you're looking at 300 season ticket holders that that's the hardcore and the sad reality i think is for years it's been the hardcore that's really kept the the club afloat my worry is there's maybe not enough not in the hardcore that care about the club as much as say the three of us and all the season ticket holders and that that want to put money in and the younger guys coming through or people with families that are maybe just occasional visitors to Bayview and maybe only go to the bigger games. That's my worry. And it's not just for East Fife, it's for like all clubs in our lower leagues, that there's not enough that genuinely care about the club that's going to make this sustainable. That That's a big fear. That and, and, you know, the bottom line is, unless we get fans back into the stadium, then there's going to be trouble. We... we we are in a far better position than a lot of teams. Uh, I mean, it's, it's been patently obvious. We have not put the begging bowl out to the supporters. Mm. We, you know, the the GoFundMe page was was uh, put together with Mel and uh, Mandy. Uh, the club obviously backed it, but we have we have stopped short of of saying to the the, the fans, "We need your money," um, but it doesn't take a lot of working out. To realise that we're going, we're needing money. I mean, without fans coming in, then you just need to look at Peterhead. Twenty nine people made redundant at Peterhead yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know that that's scary. We've not got twenty nine people to make redundant. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but uh, that's not the point. You know, they've they've decided that they can't they they can't sustain even even what they've got. Now they might be a wee bit different. I believe they're in zone zone two, so they might get mm-hmm. get fans in. Uh, this this weekend, if they're at home and don't know what the fixtures are, 
But we are not. We are no, I, I don't think we are going to see fans this side of Christmas. Uh, are, are we not uh, in zone two though? Yeah, zone two. I looked at that. Uh, sorry, I think I, I think the, uh, Peter Head. Sorry, I think Peter Head and Elgin are in oh, zone one. Yeah, because Murray's in, in Murray's yeah, in zone they, one. They're in zone one, so they will be allowed fans in. So sorry, uh, yeah, I've, I've not paid a lot of attention to the the band ins. I just looked at it before stuff. we recorded. That's how it's stuck in my head. Right. Here's a question that I had: Once fans are allowed in. You have to feel it's going to initially be season ticket holders only for a, a lot of clubs, probably not away fans. Are you still going to be allowed to sell pay-per-view streams in, in that case? Because if you're not, that's going to hit every club massively. No, I think I think uh, that has been that has been covered in the, the SPFL rules, and if it's uh, the the wording they use, I believe, is restricted fan access. Uh, which means that we would still be allowed to to live stream. Good. Uh, so um, that that's my understanding of it, and I've actually no reason to doubt that that's the the, the reason for it. But you're, you're right. If if uh, clubs that are clubs who are not live streaming, if if they if they let their season ticket holders in, they're actually going to lose even more money because they yeah. then have to bring in stewards and everything else to. To marshal these people, so it's it's not going to be easy. It's it's not going to be easy, and uh, we just obviously we don't know what the situation is going to be. But I wouldn't be surprised if we go the whole season without fans getting back to getting back to games. So that's why it's doubly important for us to to generate generate income uh, for the club. You know, so uh, that's that's the the reason that we've we've done that. I should add. Um, that Cowden Beath played. We've, we've obviously we've got the Hearts Cup tie coming up. Uh, that will probably be ten pounds because that will be an agreement uh, between us and and Hearts. Hearts might say no, they want more because it's a shared gate. Mm. They're in, they're entitled because they're the the league above. The SPFL will come down on their side if they say we want twelve pounds and we say no, it's just a tenner. They will say no, it's twelve pounds. You know that, that's that's the way it works. Um, we had toyed with the idea of asking Hearts to um, take over the stream of that game because obviously our concern is that if the stream fails completely because of numbers, then nobody's going to get anything out of it, never mind never mind £10 or, or, or whatever. But we're, we're confident uh, we just need to buy more bandwidth uh, to cover that. Right. Uh, the big concern... Is that if as, as to whether our website can handle a last-minute influx of of a thousand people wanting to to take the stream? So I would imagine when that hap- when we get to advertising that game, there'll be a six o'clock cutoff or something like that for for people uh, because we just can't handle it. And to be perfectly honest, Laura could, couldn't handle that. She's the one that does the website. She's the one that's doing the stream. She's the one that's doing the Twitter feed. She couldn't possibly yeah. deal with with all that 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 stuff going on. And even on Saturday there, uh, after half an hour, she was still getting emails from people who weren't getting on the stream. But it was their fault they weren't getting on the stream. And yeah. she was explaining to them what the problem was. And they were coming back saying, I'm still locked out. I'm still locked out. Right? Reset. There's your password. Reset. She hasn't watched a game of football in the last year and a half because her head's been in a laptop 
uh, just about every I game. I can imagine. You know? so yeah. It's uh, and, and you know, I, um, that that's one of the other reasons I, I I do get a wee bit upset at criticism because the the work that she does on a match day is is quite phenomenal. To be perfectly honest, I'm just I just float about in the background trying to do stuff, you know, and look look busy. But she's the brains of the operation. But the I and anyway, I was going to talk about Hearts. See, I get away on a tangent there. But um, Cowden Beef played Hearts at Bayview. Cowden Beef don't have a, a live streaming facility, although the the they, they hope to have that soon. So they asked Hearts to do the stream, and uh, this professional company that Hearts brought in to do it also didn't get the stream up and running until 15 minutes into the game. And then by the time uh, that professional media company had been paid, uh, by the time credit card charges had been deducted, by the time uh, there was five people, I think, had demanded refunds because they missed the first 15 minutes, that was deducted. Cowden Beath got less than a quarter of the money that was taken in on the stream. So we've just said absolutely no way are we given another another party. Oh substan- yeah, and I mean a substantial part amount of money. Yeah, I mean there was eight eighteen hundred people uh, paid to watch that game, uh, which really disappointed me. That was the start in my concern. You know, there's Hearts who had seven thousand people streaming their friendly against Partick Thistle at £10, we couldn't even get 1800 paying to watch Cowden Beath uh, in a competitive game. I think that though, is concerning. It's, it's because it's not glamorous. And it, it's like, I know there's been a lot of talk about Sky's pay-per-view and they're not putting the numbers out, but apparently Burnley West Brom was an embarrassing number of take-ups for, for a pay-per-view. I mean, like I'll, I'll be honest, if, if I was in the UK and money was tight, and it was like East Fife Montrose, I'd be like, no, I can only afford maybe one game this month. I'll save it for the Falkirk game. And then you're not getting the money because it yeah. goes to the home team. Hmm. I understand that, and that's, that's, that's the, the problem. decision people have, yeah. to, have to make. Um, but I, I, I genuinely believe that even if we were char- charging seven or eight pounds, yeah. there would not be a significant increase in the number of people watching it I, I and that 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 worries worries me uh that you know the longer we go on without fans then the harder it's going to be to get these fans back into the ground even when even when restrictions are fully lifted because it's like everything else guys who used to go to the football on a saturday they're probably out playing golf mm-hmm. you know and that becomes the habit no, go, no yeah. going to the football becomes a habit. It's it's going to the golf becomes a habit. So that, that's that's going to be a problem for the whole the whole of Scottish football, particularly the the lower leagues when when that that comes round. Like touching on that, the fact that you've got good quality highlights that go up so soon. Like I think Rovers had highlights up on their website about nine or ten o'clock at night after that cup game. So there's going to be folk that are like, well, I can avoid the score and then just watch the highlights free of charge. I don't know how you get around that at all. I don't know either. Um, it's it's the sort of thing that, uh, you know, generally the Rovers have 
their highlights up at midnight uh, because for league games it's midnight uh, on a Saturday that you're or midnight Sunday whatever you want uh, that you're allowed to put them up and to be perfectly honest it's one of the first things I do on a Sunday morning is, mm-hmm. is go in and watch the watch the Rovers highlights after, after listening to your podcast of that's, course, that's, that's, that's good uh, yeah, he needs to come amazing. down after the high, so that's why. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is it is an issue. Um, we've we've been lucky. Uh, Graham Mackay has been back at the last couple of games as well, and that's why we've got the alternate angle uh, video now uh, because Graham's doing that, sending that to us. Graham's actually going to film the the game at uh, Falkirk on Saturday because uh, the new guy we've got on the camera can't can't manage. Uh, so you know we we do try to get as many angles as as we can. You know we've got the GoPros up, and yeah, I mean maybe to be perfectly honest, the, the chairman's mentioned this to me before that we shouldn't be putting highlights up until Tuesday, uh, because as you say, people will mm-hmm. will decide. No, oh, no, no, they got beat one now. I'm not gonna watch it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll I'll watch it and uh, as soon as the highlights come up. That's what I did last season. I like I didn't I didn't get up at seven a.m. to watch the games because I knew I could easily avoid the score. Watch the highlights at four p.m. in the afternoon for me. So I mean that's that's what I did. I'm sure there's folk all over doing that. I mean well, one, I don't... Of the other, one of the other issues we have now, Michael, is that we have got to upload our game to the SPFL uh, by oh, something like yeah. ten o'clock on the Sunday. Because uh, there's there's a thing called Y Scout, which is yes. uh, any any team can go in and watch watch the full ninety minutes of the team they're playing next, if they, or two weeks time or whatever. Uh, but the contractual thing is that we've got to have our game up and loaded, uh, up, uploaded for them to watch. Now, no everybody in the league's doing it. Uh, like, see, we couldn't watch Montrose because they didn't upload their game. Now. We, you know, if the SPFL are not going to not going to push them for it, we can't do anything about it. You know, so it's uh, that that's that's a wee bit naughty when they do that. But also, you'll notice now that the SPFL are putting out uh, goal highlights from leagues one and leagues yes. two, uh, which which is great. You know, I think it's great exposure, but it doesn't help us when it comes to it comes to generating generating money because at the end of the day. The, the the footage, all the footage that we take is their copyright. It's not ours, it's SPFL's. Mm. You'd think they would do, like, I know England's got I follow and the clubs play for that. You'd think the SPFL would say, look, we'll pay to have a system like that so the clubs don't have to pay and they take all the money for themselves. Because what's the point of having a governing body if you're not actually looking after your members? Well, that's... That's very much the case, and I think we've we've all got our own thoughts as to to how things are are run uh, in this country. Uh, but we'll no broadcast them at the moment. No, I know. I don't want to put you in the spot. <laughs> Be anything yeah. else you want to ask, just to round this off? At what point do we maybe put ourselves our, our, our pride aside as a club and just? Say, look, we need your money. If if we want this to be sustainable, I, I get that you you as a club and as a board of directors, you want to 
not put yourself in what looks like a vulnerable position. But maybe the fans actually need to realise how serious this is because I think a lot of people are in cloud cuckoo land over COVID and they're not actually understanding the implications and they'll be thinking, oh, well, I'll not stream it, I'll get the highlights, but they're not actually realising, look, that £12 goes a long way. You know, It does, it does. I don't know. Um, the, the the truth of the matter, as I say, is that that we we are we are probably in a better position than some teams just now. Um, you know, everybody goes on about the James Anderson money when everybody got the fifty thousand pounds, which when he announced it, we were told was unconditional. You know, it's fifty thousand pounds to every team. Do what you want. Um, when it came out from the SPFL trust, it was fully conditions. And the main one was you can only spend it on community-based projects. You know, so that's that's no helping no. East Fife Football Club. You know, or that's, any club. That, that's helping the East Fife Community Football Club and Fifers for the community and, and like that. The only caveat was that they said that you, you can use it for testing. So yeah. we, we're, we're kind of holding that money back because we still think that testing will come back again. You know, mm. and particularly if if we could get through the League Cup group, maybe it's maybe far fetched, but we still think we can beat Hearts and beat Inverness and and go through. If we get drawn against a Premier League team, we will have to test for two weeks or uh, twice a week for uh, before we play them. Um, and the same goes with the Scottish Cup uh, when it starts. If we get drawn against a a Premier League team, we'll have to test. At five grand a week, that money will disappear very, very quickly. You know, so a lot of teams actually spent a fair chunk of the money on putting picks a lot in, mm. and you know, you can see the problems they've had. Uh, and with that, now I, I'm pretty sure that will all get sorted out. And given give it another couple of weeks, and these systems will be running sweetly, and they'll be they'll be great. But we just felt we can't we can't afford to spend that sort of money. And then find that we're testing, testing guys, uh, and you know we don't have the money to get them tested. That would be the doomsday scenario: is that we can't fulfil a fixture because yes. we can't test their players. You know that's that's we don't want to be in that position. You know, it's just so much that the the club are having to deal with just now, as as in every team, not just not just us, but yeah, um, every team's having to do it. Uh, so, I mean, the, the work that the volunteers are doing behind the scenes at Bayview just now is phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. And that's going to have to continue. You know, God, God help anybody that gets into the, the, the Peterhead situation or, or even a worse situation when they can't pay players' wages. That's, that's going to be the real, yeah. the real difficult bit. It's going to come. I mean, it's bound to, in England as well, it's just, it looks unsustainable. For, for clubs right now, you've got big mm. clubs here that's owned by millionaire owners that are paying staff off because yeah. they can't get fans in. And over here's a league that's really driven by attendance. Yeah. And, but I mean, you've got the Premiership down there, uh, Michael, where Tottenham Hotspur are paying off staff, but they're paying guys, paying guys a oh. hundred grand a week. Yeah. You know, you just think that, that, this, this doesn't this equate, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, just nonsense. I mean, uh, Kev Smith will have to take a cut in his hundred grand a week if if we get to that stage. But um, it's you know that that's 
that's a that's a doomsday scenario, as I say, and if it gets to that stage. But getting back to Lee's question, I don't know. I, I can't answer when when that would be that we would have to get the begging bowl out. I mean, it wouldn't be left to the last minute. But you know, in some ways, this is maybe a wee appeal to to people. I mean, you've got four hundred odd people listening to the, the the podcast every week, uh, if if no more. It was four hundred the last time I looked, I think, but. You know, it's just trying to get the word out there. You know, we do still need your money, and the stream is the the best way of generating money for us just now. So a huge thanks to Liam Anderson there for just explaining a little bit about the background as to what's going into the pricing for East 5 TV, for other clubs around the country, and just chatting in general about the stream service. And interesting what he says there, that don't think of it that you're buying a stream, think of it that you are donating some money to keep your club afloat. And I think that is really how we we do all need to, to approach things just now. It's such a hard thing because you're never going to find a solution that pleases everyone. You drop the price, you piss off the season ticket holders. You keep the price the same, you're not getting the the buy-up rate. And I don't know. Yeah, I think that, you know, we we need to do something because like Liam's quite rightly said, that 1350, it's not, you know, every two weeks, it's not sustainable. The only other thing that I could think of that we might be able to do is to buy a, a virtual season ticket. But obviously we don't know how long we're in lockdown for. But say, for example, if we said to the the supporters, you know, if you buy a virtual season ticket and it's 50 quid, any if we come out of lockdown earlier, then any of the remaining credit that you've got will pay for two matches in in uh, real life you know something along those lines that you know we could look at a substitute or they would get a voucher for a home game or a voucher to spend in a club shop or whatever it might be but it might help them get the money into the the club now when we need it I really like that I think that's an excellent idea and also a lot of this is going to kind of fall on the the league and the the authorities it's just needing thinking out of the box and the SPFL are going to be big driving force in that and they need to listen to the small clubs and not the big teams yeah because the, the big teams you know the you know the, the Rangers and Celtic of this world they don't need the money um, you know they, they'll get their lion's share in, in TV money whereas you know we're not getting any of that that's not trickling down so We'll see how it goes. But anyway, that's that's enough on, on that section. We're going to move over to part four. And this week, you'll be delighted to know we're going to talk about some jam. Now, I'm not talking about Paul Weller. We're not talking about this town called Malice. We're talking about Johnny Smart. Here he is talking about jam. What's your favourite jam? Traffic jam. What's wrong with raspberry? What's wrong with plum? How's about a blob of elderberry on a scone? What's your favourite jam? I'm curious what your answer to this is going to be, considering what Bobby's answer to this one was, but 
If you're at home, you're having some toast, a muffin, a crumpet, something like that, and you want to have some jam in it, what's your favourite jam? Favourite jam? It's got to be raspberry. Take it back for the berry days. Come on, you should go to the berries when we were younger. Aye. Go to the berries with a, a jam sandwich. It's the most disgusting thing you've ever had in your life. But yeah, it has to be a raspberry jam. I would, I would, I would, I would, yeah, definitely. A much more PC answer than Bobby's yeah. was. <laughs> Bobby's was basically uh, his wife's. Oh, <laughs> oh. Oh. Right, come on, I put butter, then jam on butter and jam. Oh, that's, uh, by the way, no, that is nice. Great, right? oh, it's very nice. I, I do I butter and marmalade and toast, but no jam. I say jam and cheese. Can, Raspberry jam and cheese on their toast, and I'm like, nah. And they say you put chutney on your cheese, so it kind of goes. I've never really went for it yet, but maybe to try that out sometime. What's your favourite jam? So that was Johnny Smart there talking about jam. Who doesn't like jam? Who doesn't love jam? Johnny Smart loves jam. And a, cl- a cleaner version than Bobby Lynn as well. Yeah, quite surprising coming from a Dundonian. And we hope you manage to understand that. We all know what Jay's a bit like. Um, we're also going to bring to you another section that we've uh, talked about, which is going to be our Bayview A to Z. Not Z, because I'm not going to make that mistake again. So we're going to start off naturally with the letter A. And Mike, I'm going to give you your chance to pitch what you feel the letter A should be in the Bayview A to Z. Now, are we only picking... One thing for for each letter, or should you pick one? I pick one, and our listeners consensus picks one. That's fine. Okay. Well, I'm gonna go that A is for appearances, because that's what I've got on the AFTN Bayview A to Z. So I'm just gonna keep the same. So for me, that means Dave Clark. He is the record appearance holder for East Fife playing 617 games for the club between 68-69 season and 86-87. His nearest rival was Sammy Stewart, who made 521 appearances, and it's long gone are the days, I think, that we're going to get anywhere anywhere near that. So I think you have to give a nod to your history in an A to Z, so the record appearance holder for me would be the guy that would do that. You don't want to pitch anything else? You could also pitch AFTN, away from the numbers. You talked about jam. Not Paul Weller, named after a jam song, a B-side by the jam, away from the numbers. That would be a good letter A. I've narrowed my A's down to two. And the first one I could think of was Aberdeen and the, the cup game in which we famously won on penalties. I thought that's definitely a good shout for A and it's, it's one that, and certainly in recent history, is one of our biggest results. The second I went for was A's for Austin, as in Nathan Austin. A player that was, you know, totally loved at the club and scored a, a load of goals. Definitely falls under the, the local boy turned good um, category, which, you know, we all love in football. But as much as I love you, Fash, I'm going to go for Aberdeen. Austin, though, would give you a double whammy with his brother Jordan, who, of course, has given you his winner's medal. Yeah, I'm still waiting on that, by the way. I maybe need to chase Fash up on that. Just chase Jordan up and just see his reaction. It's like, I'm still waiting for the medal that's meant to get sent to me in the post. Yeah, Nathan said that you were sending it. But yeah, of course, it's, it's now down to you guys. If you've got any suggestions for A, there's certainly a lot of choices. Um, get in touch with us on Glory Days of Gold uh, on Twitter or glorydaysofgold at gmail.com. Now it's time to bring to you this week's wavelength. So my turn this time, and following on from the A to Z, 
is I thought I would try and do a Michael and link it in. So there's a great song, a football song, which I know will appeal to a lot of the uh, the former Burger Crew songs that we used to listen to very re- regularly from Half Man, Half Biscuit. And here's their song with the A to Z of refereeing, the referee's alphabet. The A is for my authority, which many players seem to question, thinking they're somehow going to make me change my mind. B is for babies, which a lot of managers cry like after a decision has not gone their way. C is for the continual criticism I receive from the touchline. Get back in your technical area. The D is for the dunderheads, who seem to think we have a conspiracy against their particular team. A is for the eerie silence which echoes around the ground when I've booked a home team's player and it's obvious to everyone that he deserved it. F is the farce into which most games would descend if we weren't there. The G is for the gnarled face of someone who's on £90,000 a week and record he should have had a throw-in. H is for handball, which has to be intentional and very rarely is. If only people would study the rules more. I is for innocence, pleaded by many a doe-eyed defender after they've just scythed down that tricky winger. J is for jiu-jitsu, which I quite intend to display given a dark alley and some of the narky blurts I've encountered. The K is for the kissing of the badge, how ridiculous that looks six months later when they're at another club. L is for lip-reading, of which you don't have to be an expert to see how odious some people are. M is for the mistakes we sometimes make. Surely a bit of controversy is part of the game's appeal. The N? The N is for the numbskull who during the Boxing Day game asks me what else I got for Christmas besides my whistle. An afternoon with your wife, mate. The O is for offside, which many forwards tell me they simply could not have been. The P is for the penalty shootouts. Great drama and no pressure on me. The cue is the quiet word which I sometimes need to have with some of the more fiery participants. I usually choose the word pleat. R is for running backwards, a difficult skill which the pundits never seem to appreciate. S is for the suggestion that I should have shown a card of some sort to a player who's just been awarded a free kick. Sorry, I got all that wrong. The S again. Okay, the S. The S is the suggestion that I should show a card to an opponent by a player who's been awarded a free kick. He himself is more in danger of getting one for that. T is for the 21-man brawl, which is basically an embarrassing scene of pushing and shoving. U is for the umpire, which I sometimes wish I'd been instead. You never hear a cricket crowd chanting, who's the bastard in the hat? The V is for vitriol, vilification, vendetta and volley of verbal abuse. Some good bird noises there, boy. W is for Walter Pigeon, who's Mr Griffiths in How Green Was My Valley. I may have started to sound like during this song. Where was the light I thought to see in your eye? He says that to a young Hugh, played by Roddy McDowell. The X. 
The X represents the sarcastic kiss planted on my forehead by a swarthy Portuguese centre-half whom I just dismissed. The Y is for Yate, the kind of town that reveries come from. And the Z. All the Z could be for Zidane, Zico, Zola, Zubi, Zaretta, Zoff, even Zondervan. But is in fact for the zest with which we approach our work. Without this zest for the game, we wouldn't become refs, and without refs, well... Zero. See also, Zatapet, Zeus, and Zeal Monocorum. Have a caravan there. Static. Naturally. That was Half Man, Half Biscuit there with the referee's alphabet. Loads of great memories of that one. Michael beating your car to away games or listening to that with any of the Burberger crew where we're Half Man, Half Biscuit daft. And the great thing is, there's so many half man, half biscuit songs that that we can play because they've got ten to a dozen, maybe kind of football related songs. So we've got a lot more of those that can come. Let us know your thoughts on that one because that's one that I really liked. In terms of mailbag, there's not really been anything. I, I threw a, a Halloween related question out on Twitter though, asking for your suggestions as to what would be the ideal trick or treating costume for East Fife players, past or present, to, to dress up in? I mean, what is your go-to costume, Lee? I have a few, actually. Um, one year I dressed up as Turk from Scrubs, and me and my friends went as Turk and JD. Um, I've also got a Voldemort costume, because we do like Harry Potter. Um, there's been a few, but I, I was actually thinking of a, a few of the East Fife players and stuff that we could maybe have. Um, first of all, I want to pull you up on saying trick-or-treating and not guising. There's too much time across the road. I thought trick-or-treating was the big term that's used there now. Yeah, it is, but I just wanted to mug you off. So, I thought about, and this this one might be out of your generation, but instead of um, Billy Brown going as somebody else, but he might go as the lead singer of LMFAO, because every day I'm struggling... Every day I'm struggling, struggling. Um, what about you, Michael? You got any? I'll read you some of the ones that we got from, from Twitter first. Bruno Conti at Lothian underscore Sky. He said Gavin Murray could go as the Tiger King. We also had uh, Kestrel Scott saying that Stuart Burgess could be Rambo. Yes, that was his nickname back in the day. So that's definitely a shout. There was a few other, other sort of, again, the, the younger generations that really made me laugh. Bobby Barr as a rat had me in absolute stitches. I didn't get that. I saw that this morning. I didn't get it. So you need to explain that one to me. I don't know if there's any context behind it, but it just, yeah, it's just a bit of a rat, any. I thought it just, he looked like one. Yeah, who knows? But I, I still like anything that has a dig at him. Um, I'm a big fan of. But the winner for me is Ross Hutchison this week. With Johnny Smart as Lloyd Christmas from Dumb and Dumber. That is absolutely uncanny, and that's a great shout, Ross. Well done. Yeah, that's my winner too. I just pulled that one up just now. So you don't win anything apart from our love, but that that's all that's needed, really. All you need is love. Love is all you need. I've got um, something that was given to us a, a couple of months ago that I keep meaning to do something with was 
our friend um, Jim Ewing at the print shop managed to reel us off a whole load of glory days of gold stickers if anybody can think of any use for them please let me know I'll do my best to either drop them off to you or if you cover the postage I'm happy to post them out to you but whether you want to stick them on lampposts or put them somewhere that they could be seen more than happy for you to do so just don't blame me yeah, and, and we do obviously not want to get sued for encouraging you to do vandalism by sticking them all over, say, Starks Park. Would not encourage that at all. Definitely wouldn't encourage that. Or, you know, if you wanted to make Central, Central Park look any better, I mean, you could always put our stickers there, but we wouldn't encourage that at all. I mean, they tried to make Central Park look better years ago by burning it down, but that didn't really work. No, definitely. And now they're having to play their games at us because their stadium keeps collapsing. So that was a question on uh, Is that why? Yeah, and the 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 floods caused like part of the ceiling to cave in. I don't know if you noticed that on um, a view for the terrace. It's one of the questions. It was like who played uh, um, locality hub Bayview Stadium on Saturday, and um, it was oh, Sean. It was, no, yeah, yeah. it was Sean McGuigan. He was like, it wasn't East Fife because they were away to Cove. So yeah, he's like East Fife ladies. <laughs> That's it from this week's episode of Glory Days of Gold. Um, I hope you've enjoyed listening to it as much as we have recording it. Um, I apologise in advance if you've heard either my dishwasher beeping or any other sort of rattling in the background. That's the the, the perks of recording on a week a weekday evening when there's still housework to be done and lunches to be made, etc. So apologies if you've had to listen to any of that. Yeah, I, you're such a busy guy and such a good husband as well, doing all the housework and making lunch for for your wife as well. I hope I hope you're fully appreciated, Lee. I'm definitely not, but I appreciate your your appreciation, Michael. That is definitely worth it in abundance. If you want to listen to any other my nonsensical drivel, which it seems like it has been tonight, you can find me on social media, um, particularly on Twitter, Lee G nineteen o three. If you want to find me on anywhere else, just search Lee Gillis, and I'm sure that we can become friends on those networks too. Michael, where can our listeners find you online? On Twitter, there's two accounts for East Fife stuff, at AFTN website. Over in North America for MLS and Whitecaps chat, it's at AFTN Canada. And that's the better one to, to really get hold of me. You can also drop me an email, AFTNCanada at hotmail.com if you want to get hold of me that way. Check out our two YouTube channels as well. Just search AFTN website or AFTN Canada on YouTube. There's a lot of East Fife videos from the past up on the UK one, and we do some live YouTube podcast recordings on the Canadian one. Before we go, um, I do want to say a huge thank you to Chris Ward, who designed our new graphic for us. We absolutely love it, and it's great. It's going to give us a a new um, header for our social media pages, a new logo, and hopefully we're going to be able to upload it as our main podcast image as well so that all the people can see our beautiful faces across the world. So once again, thank you for tuning in. We really appreciate your ongoing support. We'll speak to you next week. But until then, stay safe, keep calm, carry on, and mon the fife. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.